0: Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. And we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We want to invite you to a Bible class that we have for visitors. It's a Get Connected class. It'll be in 303, immediately following this worship service. And, of course, you're invited to any of our Bible classes. If you'd rather attend another one, we would love for you to stay and be a part of our studying of the Scriptures together. It encourages us a lot as we learn the Scriptures together. And maybe that would be a great encouragement to you. We do look forward to this evening. Our Back to School will be the theme. Uh, this evening, we will spend a little more time in prayer this evening, and we'll close out our service with all of our school students gathered around, the elders, and a prayer will be prayed as we close out the service, and then we'll give honor to whom honor is due. As already mentioned in prayer this morning, we appreciate Betsy and Evan so much for the tremendous work that they've done this summer, and we'll have a fellowship meal afterwards in their honor and enjoy uh, visiting with them. And so. Uh, be planning to be a part of that this evening. God blesses us in many ways and let's continue to be a part of those blessings and to use those blessings to glorify Him and to serve others. I think I mentioned to you uh, a few months ago Dean Carnassus. Just two weeks ago a movie was made about him and was released. He is the ultimate marathon man. It was in Providence just a couple of weeks ago. He's a man that definitely has heart. Many of us know what it is to begin a physical activity and how part as we continue in that activity there usually is a portion of it where we feel like I'm out of breath. I'd like to stop. I'm giving out. This man has learned how to find in his heart deep down the willingness to continue and to run and to not stop. For example, a few of the things that he has accomplished in his life. He's run a 135-mile ultra marathon across Death Valley in 120 degrees. He's also run a marathon in the South Pole at negative 40 degrees. He has run a 200-mile relay race, except he ran it solo, competing against teams of 12. He ran 350 miles. It took him three days, and he forwent sleep to complete that journey. He has swam across the San Francisco Bay. He's mountain biked for 24 consistent hours. He recently, and this is why the movie was made, he recently ran 50 marathons in 50 days. He began in St. Louis and every day ran a marathon. The last marathon was in New York City. When he completed that marathon... He decided for his cool down, he would run from New York City to St. Louis. The man is recognized throughout the world as being one of the fittest people on the earth. But what a heart to finish. The passage that we'll study today, this morning, and then we'll study even more of the text tonight... It's a passage where Paul challenges us, and I love that phrase that he uses in verse 1 when he says, I have a ministry. Look again, if you will, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1. Notice he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Have you ever wondered how Paul accomplished so much? Have you ever wondered... How he was able in the life and the time that he, in his life, was a Christian? How was he able to complete about half of the New Testament books that were written? How did he complete all of those missionary journeys? How did he complete the fact of going not only into a town and establishing the church, but following back with them later to follow up and to continue building them up? How did he have this stick-to-itiveness that was definitely a characteristic of his life? Notice he said, we do not lose heart. Now, as you study through 2 Corinthians 4, it becomes very clear that he's going to use the language we very often. He talks about what we have. We have a ministry. We have a message. He talks about what we don't do because of what we have. And so first this morning, we begin with that fact that he says in verse 1, we have a ministry. The word ministry here, don't think of it as it relates to sometime us referring to full-time staff positions and we say they are our ministers, but the word ministry means servant. And so each one of us here this morning should have a service that we want to render to the Lord. Now the question is, are we going to lose heart? We have a ministry now, let's not lose heart. Let's finish this. Well, what will help us not lose heart? Did you notice between those two phrases in verse 1 that he mentions the fact we have received mercy? Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy, the first chapter. Anytime I think about Paul talking about his life of service and continuing, and then also it's interesting to note how oftentimes he will link that with the fact of mercy or grace. You see, in 1 Timothy 1, he gives us insight of that and he says in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me, note that, because he counted me faithful, putting me into... The ministry. He mentions that he was a persecutor and a blasphemer. And then in 14, he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. And then when you skip down in 15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Did you notice the key principles that he's teaching here? He's saying, I'm just thankful to be in ministry. The only way I, I am... Able to be in ministry is because the Lord has enabled me. How were you enabled? He says, by the grace of God, I was enabled to be in ministry. In other words, now he looks and says, I don't deserve this. I thank Jesus that he's allowed me to do this. Isn't that amazing? Here's a man that's done so much already at the time he writes this. And he says, I'm just thankful to have the opportunity. Well, how do you see yourself? I still see myself as chief among sinners. I remember my past. And I know that I'm imperfect now. I realize that it's by grace that I am enabled to be a part of this ministry. Isn't that interesting that even though he doesn't elaborate upon it, when you go back to our text of 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, you see that very same principle giving. He says, we have a ministry How do you have it, Paul? Did you go out and and build it yourself, acquire it yourself? No, no, no. It's only by mercy that we have this ministry. But what is my responsibility? God's given me the ministry. He's given me the abilities. But my responsibility is I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to be totally invested in this. What should this ministry look like? Skip down and read verse 5, if you will, with me. He mentions some things in 2, 3, and 4 that his ministry is not going to be about. But notice verse 5. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Now, of course, in Paul's ministry, his ministry was preaching. Whatever ability or gift God has given you, that should be your service. That should be your ministry. That should be your life. The principle that he uses here, I think, is true with every one of us in our ministries if we are doing how God wants us to do. Paul, how do you see your ministry? He says, number one, my ministry of preaching is not about lifting me up. Notice it's twofold. I want to preach and lift up Jesus and I see myself as your servants. Ministry should be all about promoting Jesus and serving others. We are at an exciting time in the life of children's lives and families that have children at home. As school begins it is always a big day I, I remember as a child thinking about what the first day of school was going to be like and and we'll talk about some of that tonight but I want I want us to think about as parents that have children you realize raising our children is a ministry it is a service that we render it's a service that God has given us God has given us these children Now I need to stop and ask myself in this very, very important time in the life of a child, as a parent, am I doing the two things in the life of my child right now that God wants me to do in all of my ministries? Am I, in the way I'm serving my child, lifting up Jesus? You know, we talk to our child about all of the grades we want them to make. We talk to them about how serious we want them to be academically, how committed we want them to be to various, perhaps, activities relating to school. But do we make sure that the greatest emphasis when we speak to our children about their life at school is that Jesus is lifted up in their life? And notice the second thing is I think about as a parent. I think about how the Lord is telling us as parents our place is to serve them. Lift up Jesus and serve others. Now, I want you to think about as ministry in the broad sense of here in the life of the Mount Juliet congregation. Every one of us have been encouraged to be a part of a ministry and and many and perhaps most are. Now think about the ministry that you'll participate in this week. Some of you will participate in Meals on Wheels. Some of you will do Bible correspondence courses. Some of you will be involved in and around the building and taking care of physical aspects that relate to the day-to-day happenings in the life of this church. It doesn't matter what ministry you'll be involved in this week. Will you magnify Jesus? And the way you do your ministry, will you lift up Jesus... And second, the way you do your ministry, will you see it as an opportunity to serve others? And third, it's implied in these two, are we content to never be noticed? You see, that's what Paul is telling us with an underlying tone here. It's not about me. My ministry, I don't want to lose heart. Why? Because I want the Lord to receive all the glory and because I want to serve others so they can see the Lord, not serve others so they can see me. We're not out to win the trophy of the greatest member of the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. We're not out to be recognized as the father or mother of the year. We're out to serve others in such a way that when we are finished serving them, they say, I know Jesus better. I've just seen Jesus lived out in another person's life. You see the emphasis if you have your Bible open. Look there at verse 6, still 2 Corinthians 4. Notice, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where was that light shown? Out of the darkness, but where did it stop? In our hearts. Why? Because we want the knowledge of Jesus known. We need to have the light of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus in our hearts, so that is the motive for why we serve. But notice, we have another we have statement. Look with you, if you will, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In ancient times... Kings and wealthy individuals to protect their treasures would actually hide them in jars of clay. Sometimes they might even melt down gold or silver and hide it in a jar of clay. And then when it came time for them to use that gold or silver, they could simply crush the clay vessel and there they had access to their riches. Here the Lord is saying about His Word, He's talking about his word and he's saying, I'm going to put my word in my servants. And who are we? We're dust. From dust we came and dust will return. We're earthen vessels. And he says, I'm going to put my message. And he didn't say, I'm going to put my message on the coffee table of my earthen vessels. He didn't say, I'm going to put my message on the back dashboard or the back seat of the earthen vessels of their car. He said... I'm going to put it... Look, if you will, if you have your Bibles open, look at 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 3. Uh, The third chapter is all about the Word of God being written. And notice as he says in 2 Corinthians 3, 3, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is... Of the heart. God, where do you want your message written? He says, I'm not writing this next covenant on tablets of stone. This next covenant isn't all about paper and ink. He says, this covenant, this message, I'm going to write it so that it will be in the hearts of the people. What is that message to do? As you look at the rest of verse 7 going back to the 4th chapter he says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see again the motive is not to bring attention to us. We need to treasure in our heart the scriptures. They are a treasure. And we need to use them in our life living them out in ministry so that God's Power is recognized, not ours. It's interesting for me to think about this simple parallel. When I was just a little boy, about four years old, I remember, and I remember that age because of the particular home, the house that we lived in. I remember my dad talking to me out in the basement. There's a garage in the basement. And I remember him showing me his hammer, his handsaw, and and screwdrivers and pliers and, and things like that. And I remember him talking to me about when he was at work. And he said, now son, I don't mind you using any of these things. It's just when you get done with them, put them back where they go so we'll have them the next time. I grew up in in a family that it's not that the shop was highly organized or everything was, was spick and span. But I did grow up in an environment where you took care of what you owned and you kept it in the proper place so that it could be useful. We never parked our, our equipment, our tractors, our mowers. Nothing stayed outside because it would rust outside. It was protected inside our bicycles we weren't allowed to leave our bicycles outside even for one night we were told if we left them out go put your bicycles up nothing stayed outside it was to be kept in its proper place so that it was cared for and useful isn't it interesting that here he gives the analogy of the word of god is is value the word of god is a treasure and the treasure is not fulfilling its purpose. It's not useful. In this sense, it's not protecting the use of it if it just sets out. God says, I want you to take it from those pages and I want you to place it in your heart. When it's in your heart, now that treasure is inside. Now that treasure is where it can be used. We are blessed tremendously to have an eldership that is challenging and encouraging us this year. Read the scriptures. Read the scriptures through this year. Read the scriptures every day because we will not be all that we can be and even what God wants us to be if the scriptures remain outside of our heart. The scripture has to be brought inside. It's a treasure. We don't just leave it out. We bring it inside. It's the treasure that actually once within us becomes a compass to point us toward heaven. It becomes an instruction book that goes back to point one that tells us how to do ministry. How am I going to magnify the Lord? How am I going to magnify the Lord in the life of my children? How am I going to magnify the Lord in the life of a coworker? How am I going to magnify the Lord in the life of one of my neighbors? How am I going to magnify the Lord as I serve other people. I will not understand that and I will not have the fuel to fulfill that until I have the message within. Now, as we close this lesson this morning, the third point will literally be a carryover to introduce the rest of this chapter. And tonight, we're going to challenge all of us, especially our youth, to complete this mission as they go back to school this year. The Lord's given us a mission. He's given us the mission that says, we have a ministry. We have a message. But don't lose heart. You know who had more heart than Dean Carnassus? I don't hesitate to say this. Paul had more heart than him. And if you don't know the story of Paul very well, by the time we finish tonight, I think you'll agree that Paul had more heart. And that's the example. That's the writer here. Paul's saying, let's do this and let's not lose heart. Look, if you will, at verse 8. Notice the text for this morning in verse 8. This is Paul about not losing heart in the ministry and the message that's been given to him. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Isn't that amazing? As as he says, hard pressed on every side. Someone says, I'm receiving a lot of pressure at work, or I'm having a lot of conflict at home, or, or, you know, I've I've got some friends that we've been friends for a long time. I've received a lot of stress in my life from them. You know, a lot of times we can look in one or two areas of our life, but listen to what Paul is saying. He's describing a very difficult time in his life, a very difficult time to be an apostle. There were false apostles out there. And if you go back to the second chapter in verse 17, they were literally peddling the Word of God. It means to prostitute the Word of God. They were using the Word of God only for financial gain. And so Paul is literally working in an environment where many people are against the religious people because of the way that they have interacted. And Paul is saying, I'm not that kind of person. I have a ministry that's not about me. It's about serving you and magnifying God. I have a message. It's not a message from man. It is a treasure. It is a message from God. And I tell you what, I'm not going to give up. It doesn't matter how harsh the persecution. I'm not going to give up. Paul, how are you pressured? He says, I'm pressed on every side in my life. You know how you take an aluminum Coke can and you crush it? He says, I tell you what, I'm pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I still have my integrity. My faith is whole. And then he says, yes, I am perplexed, confusion. I don't know where the next persecution is going to come from. I don't know who is going to persecute me next. I may not even know why they're going to persecute me Well, how did he feel about this confusion? He says, I can tell you this. I am perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm not paralyzed by this confusion. And finally, he says, yes, I am persecuted. To be a Christian and to paint a picture that the Christian's life is comfortable is not found in the Scriptures. What's found in the Scriptures is a man that is so heavily persecuted that others would have probably said, Paul, where's your God now? They're looking at a man that's heavily persecuted saying, why didn't your God spare you of that? And his answer was, my God has not forsaken me. Do you remember in Matthew the 11th chapter when John the Baptist had been arrested? And he sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus, Are you the one? Why do you think John did that? Well, John knew that Jesus had been out giving sight to those who were blind, giving hearing to those who were deaf, giving the ability to walk and run to those who were lame, and literally raising individuals from the dead. Paint this picture in your mind. You are the Apostle John. You've given your life to being a forerunner for Jesus. Now you've been arrested. And now Jesus has begun His earthly ministry. And He's working all of these miracles. By your understanding of God's love, do you think Christ ought to come and deliver you? Oh, wait a minute. He can work miracles. He doesn't have to come. Why doesn't Jesus just say, Let the shackles be free. Let the prison door open. John, walk out. Is that your understanding of Jesus? Is that your understanding of Christianity? That as long as I'm following the Lord, everything ought to be comfortable. John also struggled with that. And you remember where he was left? He was left with the teaching that you're going to have to have faith that I am He. And He was left in prison to later be beheaded. We will probably lose some comfort. We might lose our head and our life. But Paul writes and says, whatever you do, don't lose heart. This morning, what's your life about? Is it about the ministry because the message was within you at all costs? Are you one that says, I'm willing to be faithful to God no matter what? We're going to begin this evening with that passage That last phrase He was struck down How many times in your life Have you felt like you were struck down Like it seems unfair It's difficult Important plea for us this morning Is don't give up Don't lose heart There will be a day That great and final day of judgment Where everything Will be made right where those who finish will be rewarded. It's wonderful to start, but there's no reward for those who only start. The reward is only for those who finish. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation 2 and 10. Have you started, and are you on track to finish? If you've never begun, and you want to be baptized in Christ this morning, won't you come? If you have begun, but somewhere along the way you've lost heart, you've lost sight of the finish line, won't you refocus this morning, repent of your sins and confess them, and let's pray forgiveness. Let's all leave here with the heart of a finisher. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.